so at this point, I I'm truly unclear on what's going on with Kyrie Irving. Still not vaccinated, right? And my understanding of the premise of this whole thing was that uh, was that they weren't going to demand, like the team does not want to make him get vaccinated, right? But that if he remains unvaccinated, he will basically only be able to play road games. I know. That's and, the best part. And, and my understanding is that Brooklyn has said, we have no interest in that. We don't. We don't want to deal with having a halftime player, right? That that uh, that we have to make these different accommodations for. We think it'll throw a wrench into our ability to get continuity with lineups and all that. Why would you want a player who can only play halftime, right? So the question of like him going through the health and safety protocols, which are my understanding is even longer. Like he has to be out, he's has to be out guaranteed a much longer amount of time, like twice as long essentially because he is unvaccinated, right? To be able to qualify to play at all. Yeah, yeah. Is this him setting up uh, for getting a vaccine or not? Or is this setting up for the team to trade him? Yeah, it's so weird that they were like, okay, now we're going to let you play these road games. And then immediately, he's in the protocols. Like, immediately. So it's like... Have they actually said? Yeah, they were. No, so that's why he was putting on... so So for people who don't haven't been following it... There was this Instagram video with Kyrie putting on the shoes, and everybody's like, well, maybe he's getting vaccinated. And then Brooklyn announces, we've changed our mind. We're going to let him play the road games. And then almost like it was one or two days later, Kyrie Irving is in the safety protocols, which is right up there with Tracy McGrady congratulating himself for being in the second round of the playoffs <laughs> before he had actually won the first round of the playoffs. It's right. Oh, my God. It's right in that I sort of realm, except it's an entire organization embarrassing did, themselves. Did, 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 they, lost that, they lost that in seven, right, that series? Yeah, they just, I think oh it was a five-gamer, and they were up two – they might have been I a, had forgotten completely yeah. about or maybe the most three, one, dejected yeah. press conference I've ever seen him. Like even more, even more than Dirk getting knocked out by the We Believe Warriors. Yeah, I think that McGrady just like just shaking his head, speechless. Like I, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! But now, but so, so now, so now, Kyrie's supposed to supposedly going to be playing. Do we actually believe that the plan is for him to play halftime with the Nets? Or is this Brooklyn trying to maximize whatever they have in him as an asset? I think this is to appease Kevin Durant. Because there were rumors that Kevin and Kyrie were talking. I think this is Kevin going, we don't have the record Golden State or Phoenix does. I want Kyrie here for road games. And we'll play and I will convince him. I think that this, this, is, my, this is my theory. My you know urban theory is that... Kevin thinks that if he if, if Kyrie plays... Just get him on the court. Get him on the court, get him into it, and then I'll convince my buddy, hey, yeah. really love to have you for these home yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really love to yeah. have you in there. Yeah, Remember big, how this yeah, feels? Yeah, big, big Milwaukee's coming. Yeah, yeah. Come on, we could really use we you. We could now. really use yeah. you, you know, because there's no... That, that is a good scenario that they might be just wanting to trade him, but kind of reading the tea leaves of it, it feels more like pressure Kyrie when he's in person in front of you to get vaccinated for the playoffs. Yeah. That that's what it feels like. To yeah. Me. Yeah. That that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because because I understand because the only the only reason that you would want to make him go through all this just to preserve or maximize his trade of uh, you know, value is if you have fully written him off internally. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and isn't he minor, is he also going to be a free agent this year technically? I think both him and Harden would be free agents. Yeah. And, and they both and they both technically, the economics, I think economically it would be better if they signed a new contract. So it was bad for them both, Harden and, and Irving, to sign the contract at the beginning of the year. So they would have waited anyway. But of course, Kyrie is such a loose cannon. I mean, Harden's already said, I'm signing with Brooklyn. Yeah. But, but Irving is such a loose cannon that who the hell knows what he's going to do. Oh, absolutely. So I guess uh, we, we haven't really touched on it this year. Uh, we didn't really talk about Kyrie, the Kyrie situation uh, going into this year. And I, I have had a very strong take on it from the jump, which is that Kyrie Irving is a moron. And I don't mean, I don't mean like, you know, show up and play basketball. I don't mean that at all. I mean in the way that all of us are complete morons no. when having to face uh, the reality of the United States of America slipping out of the developed world and into the third world, essentially, right? Yeah. Like, that, that we are all negotiating the same insane failed state response to the situation, right? 
But because of the way that politics works in this country, meaning we don't have politics, right? Like yeah. you're not a member of a party of any kind. Uh, you know, your vote doesn't actually mean anything because you don't belong <laughs> to any organization uh, that has that you ha- that has any accountability to you, right? That that instead we're all these like little little political entrepreneurs just selling our own vision of how the world works. And uh, consequently, the richest people are thought of as the smartest people, right? Yeah. Or, or, or that, or that, because you are wealthy, you have the freedom to make choices that other people cannot make, right? Uh, obviously, if Kyrie Irving worked in an Amazon distribution center, he would not have <laughs> the goddamn choice to sit out. It is only having a lot of money that enables you to make these choices. So why do I think it's so stupid, right? My understanding is his statement was, "I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm against mandates," right? Well, the thing is, the mandate that's putting that's been put in place here is the city of New York, and you can say that it's that it's it's faulty, just like Los Angeles making everyone have a mask to do everything might be faulty, right? I'm I'm not even here to, to to litigate whether that's correct or not because I just think that we have too there are too many variables and conflicting rep, uh, 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 reports on the science of what makes sense and the only thing that actually makes sense is locking everything down, making the vaccines available for free for the entire world to manufacture as generics, and until we do that, there's going to be variants forever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Literally, the only way this ends, right, is. A critical mass of people vaccinated in the world. We say we say no to the free market, and we give this. The, I mean, that's what the doctors are asking openly for in the United States: is that we just give away the formulas for free, exactly, so everybody can make them. As Joe Biden has quote unquote called for multiple times, and yet conveniently <laughs> never seems to happen, right? Uh, because no one has any intention of preventing Moderna from making money, oh, yeah. from making money, right? Uh, Pfizer, like th- these are the the most profitable quote health-adjacent corporations in the world. Uh, So all of which is to say, right, Kyrie Irving is making kind of a a political, has made a political statement out of, like, I am opposed to vaccine mandates. Well, it doesn't matter if if what New York is doing is the correct thing to do. It's the thing that, that that the local government has decided to do, right? And if you were not anti vaccine, but you were against mandates, well, then wouldn't you just get vaccinated and then choose not to play? You do the Bill O'Reilly. What did he do? <laughs> he's vaccinated. He's a booster. He admitted to it. Okay. So it's like, but he's just like against mandates. I yeah. mean, Donald Trump is the, yeah. the same way. Like, because, because like, that's not an inconsistent position to have. Yeah. I'm not anti-vaccine. <laughs> I think people should get vaccinated, but I don't think anyone should be required to be vaccinated by their job, by uh, the, the state, right? That is a, that is like, a, that is an ideologically coherent thing to say, whether it's correct or not, right? But of course, He's he's not vaccinated because he doesn't want to be vaccinated, but he doesn't want to deal with the uh, the the backlash because the NBA is a progressive league and has you know more uh, a, a more uh, liberal per- people in progressive cities that watch it. Uh, it is in cities like uh, the Antifa controlled Portland. It is in cities like uh, you know the the rapidly gentrifying Charlotte. It is it is in these places right that he knows he would just catch hell. Uh, and he doesn't want to make that the, the political stance that he catches hell for. Instead, he wants to be like, no, my third eye is open, and I've got this alternative, nonsensical stance to take, which is just him lying, and he's insulated from having to be accountable for, for just for not saying the actual thing he wants or believes by his money. I was trying to think of different stupid shit I don't do. That's not as important as not getting the vaccine, but like you know, I don't want to learn pivot tables at work. You know, like <laughs> it's like very much like a, I know it'll help my career. I know, but, but I just, I just like have a mental block on it. And, and it's funny with Kyrie too because it is, it is like it t- it shows you the power of a <laughs> of a worker, even a dumb worker, if they have sort of that much money and that much sort of um, time. But and belong but, to a strong union. Let's not forget that. But like you said, it's like there is nothing intelligent. It's like faux intelligence, and pe- and people have said that it's 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 sort of like the high school intelligence that you have, you know. But again, I think it's like there's two things you can say about it. If he played for Orlando, he'd be fine because there's that guy on Orlando. I don't even remember his name because he's not a good enough player <laughs> who was definitely like, I'm not getting vaxxed for Jesus. And, there's about ten uh, percent of the league, I think, reportedly that's not vaccinated. Yeah. And then Wiggins, of course, got the vaccination mm-hmm. after being pressured. But I think Andrew Wiggins, um, while not a very smart person, is a person who loves basketball. I know that's stupid to say. That's always a dumb thing to say. But I think at this point in Kyrie's life, 
basketball is a means to an end. It's not a. It's not like a. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. There's probably 30, 40 percent of the league that is just like Kyrie. Uh, probably not as talented as Kyrie or not at the level of Kyrie because he's just so naturally talented. But I think it's just like it's it's sort of a, a confluence of events that he's in Brooklyn, that they are a team that everybody thought might win the title, mm-hmm. that he's a very famous player who's already won a title. He's like maybe one of you know top five to seven players in the league, a famous fame wise, and that he's already had these like you know flat earth kooky conspiracy theories, yeah. and it's just like it, it is just a whole sort of you can't look away from the sort of car car crash. The very padded, airbagged, he's going to be fine car crash that is the Kyrie Irving career experience right now. Yeah, if he was a lesser player, the shit would not fly, right? And I think that part of why Wiggins got vaccinated is, well, if he was, you know, if if these requirements existed in uh, New Orleans and he was playing for New Orleans, he might not do it. That's a bad example because New Orleans would never require that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the Thunderdome down there. Uh, there are no laws at all, as far as I can tell. But uh, but Wiggins Wiggins had the chance to play for you know a potential title contender, and he knows he's not good enough to turn this down, walk away, and be guaranteed to make what he makes uh, on another contract with another team if he was able to to get a buyout or something, right? Yeah. Whereas Irving knows he's too good to not be able to play. I think that that. Uh, you know, you don't get to where you're at like a Kyrie Irving uh, without having that love, right? Without loving the game. But I do think that it's very possible that you can be that great at something, and it's not the thing that drives your passion in life, your interest in life. And and I think that you know when you mention his other kooky conspiracy kind of thinking, there's a part of me that respects the the uh, the the, the quote unquote free thinkingness of it, right? There's part of me that, that, that respects being somebody who, uh, even even if I think that he's mostly a dumb guy, he, he's he's Joe Rogan. Like, he's he's not a smart person, <laughs> but he's, he's an open mind, right? And he wants yeah. to think about things in a different way. And by the way, also, not to say, uh, not uh, to, to, to not give short shrift to the idea of, like, if you grow up black in America and you say, I'm not doing what the fucking government tells me to do, that's also a pretty good reason to not do what the government tells you to do. Like, yeah, yeah. like I, I understand, like, people who have this kind of, like, de-schooling mindset mindset right like and i think there's some of that is like the his 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 intellectualism is this kind of like knee-jerk reaction against um you know institutions that are absolutely brutal to 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 people who are black in america right yeah so so if that is the stated reason you want to give um i think that would be something that's actually quite commendable he doesn't want to do that because he wants to make another uncle drew movie he, he he doesn't want to threaten his ability to sell sneakers well i think while still not loving the thing that makes him be able to smoke sell sneakers yeah, I mean, part of the rumor is that he's trying to sell a new sneaker, and that's part of the reason he's okay with like sort of slowly coming back. Low key, he's one of the most profitable merch players of I mean, the last ten years. I mean, you may read one of the most successful sneaker brands. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't, I don't know that Kyrie. Kyrie's definitely been an all star, but I don't know that you would ever have rated him in the top ten of NBA players. No, but he is definitely in the top six or seven. Maybe five NBA stars. Yes, you yeah. know, just pure like people know who Kyrie is. People, you know, that that sort of thing. Uh, top top five handles I've ever seen. Yeah, and, yeah, and, but and, but also just a very sort of. I mean, there's a lot of um, although Iverson is a way better player. There's a lot of I- Iverson comps. It's it's sort of just a. There's a yep. lot of just. People yeah. love to watch him play. Small you know? guy, plays low to the ground, insane handle, great finisher at the rim. Yeah. And the difference between the two of those guys, uh, there aren't many, but but for profitability's sake here, is that Iverson brought uh, like young black culture and hip-hop culture to the mainstream as much as Run DMC did in some ways, like for yeah, his yeah. moment, right? Or the Fab Five or whoever you want to point to in that era, where Kyrie did this for the burgeoning TikTok, Instagram, uh, Vine era, social media era of sports. Like you know what you know what translates uh, to 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 uh, to a five second recurring Vine clip uh, as well as anything next to a dunk is you know rocking a guy to sleep and destroying like three people's ankles on your way to an impossible finish at the rim. Yeah, like he he's he he is one of the social media darlings of. of I mean, uh, bes- I mean, when you're I'm slowly thinking, besides LeBron and Curry. It's hard to think of another guy besides those two guys that just has the wattage that Kyrie Irving has. Yeah. You know, just sort of like... So I, I think the other thing we should say is that he's also rumored to he's going to retire if they trade him. So that's part of the reason he hasn't been traded. 
because uh, I do think if like Brooklyn didn't think he was just going to straight up retire at the beginning of the season, that I do think at that point Durant and Harden were mad at him. I think it's kind of I feel like it's kind of cooled, you know, as the season's gone along. Mm-hmm. But like when he was like at the beginning of the season, I'm not going to play. <laughs> Basically, I think Brooklyn probably could have used leverage and, and traded him at that point. But he's but the other rumor is that he's told them if you trade me. I'm just going to retire. <laughs> so I have no value if I'm not playing for this team. So yeah. so it's just like, it, it's an interesting situation. We'll see what happens. I, I still, I would bet on him playing for them in the playoffs. I would bet on that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I... I Five dollars, but I would bet on I, it. I would have guessed he was just going to sit out because they were letting him sit out. Then he can opt out of his contract, and then he has all the power in the world as, as, an under, as yeah. a free agent, right? Um, the fact that he's going into these protocols make me think that you're right, that that, that he is being set up to, to be available so that, you know, his buddies can work on him a little bit and that... You know, I think a part of him is gonna is gonna is gonna have a hard time sitting out of the brightest spotlight. You know, uh, especially knowing that this is probably the best chance he'll have in his career to win a title without LeBron. Yeah. I don't know how much of that is still hanging in the guy's head. All that being said, you still gotta have a passion to win the game to win the games at that point. Yeah, and my so, point, so yeah. we're, we're we're gonna find that out. You know, uh, if he does come back, that'll be that that sign. I, I guess the only other thing I wanted to say about this is that, and this is gonna be kind of transitioning out to a slightly bigger point, but I think we can kind of re- end with it maybe. Um, is that we are at a point now with uh, COVID in the NBA that I, I I think that a lot of people had the idea of the timeline of how COVID is going to affect things wrong. People thought about the bubble as being, oh, that's the COVID year. No, 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 no. Yeah. The bubble is the last time we're ever going to see a professional sport like basketball played without COVID being an issue. Now, they didn't get to play in their home arenas. That's weird. Yeah. But, like, you actually had full rosters of the guys who signed to play with those teams, right, or traded those teams or joined on buyouts, right, uh, fully healthy. Not a single player had COVID. And they all played on essentially neutral court, right, and they played the games. Everything since then has been more heavily impacted by COVID than anything that happened in the bubble, because what we're seeing right now is roughly uh, one in ten players being unavailable to play because of where the COVID protocols are. It is literally, I think, about as of today, it, it is it is the week before Christmas. Uh, that, that right now, I think it's one in ten players is not available. And based on the current protocols as they exist, they weren't expecting uh, another variant like Omicron that's so transmittable. Now the cases are relatively mild, etc., um, but so transmittable that. They're kind of rethinking, like, well, maybe, well, maybe if you sat next to someone on the plane and they had a positive test, maybe you're allowed to play now. And they're going to start rolling those restrictions. Well, back. The, the the thing that they did, I think you're right about that. I think they will roll the restrictions back. And I think we're just at the beginning of the flu. I mean, that's what it is, right? I mean, similar things happen with the flu. People didn't take. People mm-hmm. like to act like everybody took the flu shot when it came out. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the thing they just rolled out was that they can sign like. Four hardship players, but it, and it doesn't count to the. Cap. It's about to become one to one. You can you can sign a player on a ten day contract. You can sign as many of those players as you have in the COVID protocol sitting out. Yeah. So 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 you're gonna see like literally situations where like some teams have eight nine guys out right, and mm-hmm. so they're gonna sign nine got nine guys to ten day to ten game contracts. You're gonna see examples of players who are carrying twenty five players. Like, literally. I'm ready, I'm ready for Baron Davis, man. I'm ready for it to happen. I'm ready for it to come that, down. That's right. All your favorite players from 2006 are coming back. We it's got like, Darren Williams, Darko Milicic, uh, Dwayne like, Wade is it, coming back. It's like when you get bored with a sports game and, like, let's play with the legends. Yes, you know? the, the like you entire 2003 draft up. class is going to be in the playoffs this yeah, year. Yeah. But, the, but the point I want to make here is, is, is that, you know, we are now, I, I don't think people have fully comprehended, right? Like, oh, there's a vaccine. That's not post-COVID. Yeah. There's going to be COVID forever. No, for and, sure. And a league like the NFL can pretend that there is no COVID. Because if someone gets sick and they're fucking on death's door, who gives a shit? The contract's not guaranteed. Fire them, replace them. They already have a culture of next man up and that next guy's wearing a face mask and a helmet and nobody knows who they are anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. The NBA tried, uh, you know, NBA can can trade on its more progressive status in a way that, yeah. you know, nets them some unique money that isn't available for other sports, like nets them eyeballs in more countries 
countries than most American sports get, um, you know, uh, different sponsorships, etc. Um, they like all that stuff when it pays off for them, right? But when it actually comes to, uh, you know, your best players not being available, suddenly things start to get ratcheted back a little bit. And I think we're going to continue to see, essentially, this, like, move toward the NBA becoming this free-for-all where any given night you are going to tune in to see two great teams and one or both of them might be missing their best players. And tomorrow night, they're going to be basically a totally different roster. And I think we're going to have to start kind of, it's going to be gradual, but I think we're on our way to an era where, you know, when you look at Christmas Day, you don't really know where these teams are yet because, you know, half the guys missed half the time. And suddenly, suddenly, you know, the average amount of of minutes that that your dominant lineup has gotten a month and a half in is half the number of minutes that it would have been in the pre-COVID era where everyone played every game. I mean, what what are we, five or six years away from the Devin Booker COVID game where he has COVID, but (laughs) then he just comes and scores 40? That'll happen. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I, I just thought it was so fascinating. And uh, a player like Kyrie Irving, again, is, you know, has the talent and the prerogative to be able to do this right now. Yeah. Most players don't, right? No, for sure. And, yeah. and the thing is, like, for every Kyrie Irving that you have, you're going to have not one, not two, but at this point, like, ten guys who are being shuffled in and out on ten-day contracts. You, you, you have, you have that, that, uh, that outer tier, that, that outer rim of players who orbit the NBA, yeah. who might might grab on to a roster in a year or might not, who might be in the G League, who might be good enough for a two-way contract, who might not be, who might choose to play overseas. This 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 world of players outside of the, you know, 500-ish normal players who play in an NBA season, there's this other world of players that are that are that are the the have-nots, that are the guys that Draymond Green uh, uh, was talking about when he criticized Chris Paul when he was head of the uh, NBA PA uh, for for negotiating a deal that guaranteed those top level players like Chris Paul, LeBron James, the ability to to, to get the the super duper mega ultra duper mega max contracts after the age of thirty five, right? Yeah, yeah. Draymond Green was was saying like, well, like I, I'm critical of this deal because most players in the league aren't going to be in the league for very long. Most players in the league aren't me even. Most players yeah. in the league don't get to make this money, and I think that I think that that, that like the, the kind of low-key secret kind of thing in all this is that like there's a lot there's a lot more guys who are just going to go through like the fucking meat grinder of of you're going to get called out to be a part of this um <clears throat> that means you have to you have to upend your life on a moment's notice you have to travel on a moment's notice you have to be around players who you know have been exposed to somebody who has covid potentially like i uh, they're they're and none of those players are getting extra uh salary or extra redress like uh none of those guys are are protected as members of the nba oh, of, of the nba players association none of those guys are, are members of the union man you know i this is horrible that i was thinking this the whole time we were talking this was like man there's going to be some great basketball movies because baseball always <laughs> had true. the advantage of the yeah. sad minor yeah, yeah, leaguer yeah. that's getting paid like Seventeen thousand yeah. dollars. Mark Wahlberg is going to play a fifty-five-year-old walk-on, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a basketball. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, we're getting the G League. We're doing yeah. it. We have that weird league in Atlanta where like high school yeah. kids are just shooting at a like a weird stadium. <laughs> It's gonna be some sad ass movies, man. I'm you're, ready you're, for you're it. Gonna, you're, you're gonna have off nights where where like uh, Vivek uh, from the Kings is like, well, screw it, like we, we don't have our players anyway, so we're gonna do the thing where they don't play defense at all, and everyone just bolts uh, to the three point line every single possession, and we only shoot threes, and then we give, and, and then we only guard the three point line on the other side. The, like they're they're just gonna do those for random games. Well, I think that other, the only other thing I would I would want to talk about about this because this is a huge subject, we'll probably talk about it again. Is that um, and the Premier League is having this problem. The NBA is having this problem. NFL, this is their big advantage. Hockey will have this problem too. It's just like there's so many games, yeah, and there's such an unwillingness by the people who are not playing, uh, who are making a lot of money off of these games, to reduce the games. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, would the like imagine an NBA where they just? I think they should reduce the games to like 62. But imagine if they reduced it to 72, and how much more flexibility they would have, how much how much more space in the schedule. Yeah. They'd be able to do a ton of things. And so it's like, I just don't think they're ever going to do that. But it's, again, it's another reason. If COVID is going to exist forever, having less games just makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, and, uh, it, yeah, honestly, like, if you were gonna, like going to design a, a league from scratch this way, right, knowing the whole history of what we have right now, I think every team plays every team home and home. That's, yeah, that's I mean, I think my my uh, stupid dream is that they add two teams, Seattle and whoever the hell else they mm-hmm. want to add. I don't care. 
And then... Vegas. Seattle and Vegas. Yeah, it's probably Seattle and Vegas, but the second one you can make arguments for and against. Let's go, Louisville. Come on. Louisville. Louisville. Vancouver. No, okay. Um, <laughs> and then they, you know, and then they have home and home, like you said. They're playing 30, they're playing 31 teams. You play 62 games. There it is. There it is. And so I think that that is, I mean, you see it in sort of the NFL, you see it in international soccer, you see it in a bunch of di- leagues. When you play somebody twice, home and home, the stakes of it are just so high. And it's just like, it makes the regular season. 62 sounds still like a lot, but that home and home, and college basketball, you see that all the time. Yeah, Duke's only going to play North Carolina one time at North Carolina, and North Carolina's only going to play Duke one time at Duke. And that makes that game so much bigger. You know. and, and then we can dispense with this bullshit about hanging division championship banners, yeah. as if and as if as if any NBA fan can name every team in their team's division. Yeah, Get no, I mean, yeah, there's you're a sad franchise if that's what you're what you're promoting. But yeah, I, and it allows them to do other things like you know people have talked about a tournament. People have talked about all that other stuff. They could still get to like mid seventies games, but the games would just be way more entertaining. Well, I, I know that we are almost certainly going to talk more uh, COVID as we go on. I just want to put that marker down because it's it seems like it's like really coming to a head right now. Yeah. And the thing that I want to remind everybody is that is that is that we are not in the post COVID era, but we are only just beginning to see what the impacts of a continuing ongoing rolling pandemic condition where there's going to be surges and there's going to be recessions. There's going to be new variants and there's going to be new vaccines and there's going to be boosters and there's going to be people who refuse to get them, right? There's going to be a Baron Davis 25 points for off game. That's right. I'm here for it. (laughs) Dirk is coming back. Dirk is coming back. We're swapping out Porzingis for Dirk. That's what we're doing. So we we, we will return to the topic in the future and uh, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, thank you guys. Bobby made a list. Yeah, I made a list. Kid, and, kid and, list. and this is this is a list that I believe because I did not go through your whole thing. But what I found so funny about it was was you uh, going back to in this you link to your system, your points system for assigning things. Yeah. And in that you say I got tired of seeing these subjective uh, lists, and so I said I'm going to make an objective list by creating these criteria that were points, and then you just seem to sub- subjectively assigned point values to all the categories that you well, use. Well, that's to I mean, that's players. fair. That's like, like a... your list is subjective as any list. I don't understand list psychology. Totally. I, I don't I really. love lists. I mean, well, my whole life is a I list. I understand keeping lists to, like, remember things. Probably why I made things. records is because I wanted to list things out into... Um, I'm just kidding. I, 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 get, <laughs> like, I, I get it for, like, personal use. You don't want to forget a thing that you like, right? So so you so you, you no. write it down in something uh, to remember, I had this reaction to it, and when I liked it, I liked it much more than these other things. That's why I want to yeah. remember. I yeah. think of it as great, right? You could, you could say... Um, it's horseshit, and that's fine. I didn't say it was horseshit, but uh, but, but, I, but I, clearly I, some insecurity is poking through at this. Oh moment. no, I'm, I'm nothing but insecurity. But I um, so I make lists all the time. I the most popular thing I have on Medium is a ranking of literally every Counting Crow song, which is Jesus fucking Christ. Why would you do that? I don't know why I, I do that. I I just have always done that. There's some point where I'm writing song lyrics or writing stand-up or writing sketches or writing whatever I'm writing and then at some point my brain flips over and goes you have to quantify these things in a list most lists are what you just said which are just like what I like you know and and internalizing what you like is a good operation for me because I like to I think these Spotify things are actually very good because before this the internet and stuff like that you would always be like Ah, this is my favorite artist. But really, your favorite artist was Lamer. And you you listened to something, and you didn't 
you weren't honest with yourself. So I think there is a lot of benefit to internalizing yourself and going, now what do I actually really like? Like, yeah, it's the right thing to say that, um, you know, Round Here is the best Counting Crows song. That, do I that actually, would have been my number one. But do I actually believe that? That live on Letterman version? <sighs> it's real good. Real so good, folks. That's most on of, YouTube. So that is most of the list I've made. And you can totally... So I'll just point out one statistic of this NBA list I made. I think that I gave 60 points to an NBA championship. If you're the best player on an NBA championship team, the subjective part happens when I try to figure out some of the edge cases of like the, the fucking Seattle Supersonics in 1977. Jesus fucking Christ. I've gone back and forth on who's the best player on that team. Uh, the You know, like the, the Shaq Lakers and the Jordan... Bulls, those are easy. You're like, oh, fuck, that's the best player. Or LeBron, any team LeBron's on. It gets really subjective. But why did I come up with that 60 points? Well, at first I just picked a number. But then I was like, I think that this should be worth not two times more, three times more, four times more. I think it should be worth a lot more. And as I start to do all these other things, so I give... I honestly don't remember every sort of statistical thing I did, but I give... You know, 10 points for leading assist for one year or one, whatever it is, whatever point system I do for every specific thing. That obviously all of that is subjective. All of the numbers that I'm doing is subjective. What I'm giving the numbers to, but it's like kind of like Frankenstein. You're creating Frankenstein. You create all the numbers and then you just put them in and then you're like, fuck. And this is jumping my list a little bit, but like, fuck. Carl Malone is higher than my literal favorite player in basketball of all time, Hakeem Olajuwon. So, like, I think the thing about the list that's different than the other lists I make, which are totally subjective, and I think there's a benefit to that, is that if I change one thing, if I'm like, man, this ABA era should have a more negative score, that just doesn't affect one person. That isn't like a, that isn't like a, I think this person should be higher. That affects everyone. And it kind of changes everything. Yeah. So so I, I don't mean to cut you off here, but before no, we get into talking to lists, you started doing this because the NBA did their they did their big update, right? It used to be their fifty of fifty list, and now and now they have done uh, since they had seventy five years of the NBA, they did their top seventy five players, right? So so that that I think was the impetus for actually going through and actually doing the no list. no this is or the third generation it, it of coincided this list. with that. This then. is the third yeah. This last one is because of that, but. The real reason I did this list... So, yes, is the answer yes, to the yeah, thing that yeah. I just said. But no, no. The, re- the original reason... I'm trying to get to the original reason I did the list. The original reason I did this list is because I'm a little older. And all our young comic friends... This is when he was on Cleveland. were like, LeBron is the best player in the world. And I was trying to get out of my own, like, growing up with Michael Jordan. Seeing Michael Jordan. And so, I was just like, well, how do I, in 2015, quantify what this is so so i appreciate that there is a methodology at play yeah. and what i wanted to say is uh, and i wanted to, you, you you mentioned right like um the question of, of of like you know when you just when you say you keep a list of favorites you you have a vague idea of what favorite is and you put it in uh here's 10 favorites i remember right and the things that i have the most the strongest emotional reaction to in my memory moves them higher on the list or whatever whereas if you actually had the ability to quantify it in some way you might actually say, and we we're because you're saying with spotify it tells you here's what you actually played the most yeah. right an example that I would use for this in the conversation of uh, of when I ask people what their favorite movie is, I don't say what's your favorite movie, right? I used to work in film and video production, and so movie talk would dominate a lot of my life uh, for a long time. And the the way that I came around to having that conversation now is to say, what is the most watched movie of your life? And and by counting watching, because we also come from an era when we would see things on cable, right? I would say that you have to watch at least three quarters of the runtime of the movie. So either you put it on and you watch three quarters of it, or maybe you catch it a quarter in and you tune in and watch the rest. Or, you know, you flip around on cable and you catch it 20 minutes in and you got to do something in an hour so you're not going to see the end of it. But you still watch that chunk, right? That's, that counts as a play. Yeah. And, and because I realized that if I was going to say, like, my favorite movies of all time, like, I mean, I love Cocteau's uh, Al-Hazard, Balthazar. I can't speak French. I can't pronounce it right. And, and, and it left, like, a serious mark on me the one time I ever watched it, right? Like, I've had more a more profound 
uh, I've had more profound um, uh, experiences watching certain movies even just one time. Yeah. But the movie that I have seen the most times in my life, by the criterion of, of counting more plays, right, uh, having a methodology that scientifically tracks that, would have to be Tremors. It would have to be the yeah, 1989 yeah, yeah. Uh, monster movie classic Tremors because it aired infinitely on I mean, the if, USA if Network we were and do, I would always watch if it. If we were going to do that, you know what my actual favorite movie of all time is? What? The extra features of Lord of the Rings. Okay. Not the Lord of the Rings trilogy. No, I understand. But the actual like making of... I've watched that. That would probably be excluded from a movies list because it's not itself hey, a feature. You know, see, this is what we're getting into. <laughs> but, but you have a methodology well, to here's count the thing. is what's important. I, I did have a methodology and I also had some things that I didn't know at the time. One thing I did know at the time, I, honestly, the only in, real intention in this is I thought that the NBA players of the 70s were overrated. And the ABA players of the 70s were underrated. Absolutely. So I I thought, like... It was, George Gervin in the ABA was better than George Gervin in the NBA, yeah. even though he was a star. Well, this the is the thing. It's like you get these folks that are like, you know... And, and I, I think, you know, I don't want to go too high on my list, but I, I kind of those certain conversations because we're kind of talking about 75 to 61. But that was one of my intentions. Is like, I want to be able to... I don't think these lists even track that Dr. J played 10 years in the NBA. Nope. They act like his career only existed in the NBA. And am I saying that the ABA is this greatest league ever? No. But I'm actually counting what happened. You have to. In that because league. it was the first time that another league could actually offer more money to the best player and get the best player that was actually available to play professional basketball. Yeah, and, and this is the weird NCAA rules yeah. and how you could draft a player while they were still in college and shit. Like, the guys who actually wanted to go straight into playing professional basketball had another alternative, and there were times when the best player committed to playing in the, in the ABA instead of the NBA. And I, I will say, too, it's like we live in an era of Durant and LeBron where these guys, some of their best seasons are maybe post-30. Yeah. But for the majority of the NBA, your first six or seven seasons were your best seasons. So yeah. if, 22 to 28 used to be the prime of your career, and so, you were on the so, downswing yeah. by the time you hit 30. So if you're no talking question. about Dr. J, who played, I think, almost 18 years, and the first 10 of them were in the ABA, to rank him... And say some game that he lost to Larry Bird makes him worse than Larry Bird is insane. It is functionally insane. Yeah. So he was one of the main people on this thing where I was like, this guy is underranked. He's not the 25th best player or the 20th best player in the league. So I will say that was real intention with that. But some things that I weren't an intention, I'll, I'll point to the 75 to 61. We're not going to go through the whole list. But Tony Parker on my list is 60. And I think Kevin McHale is 70, 69, somewhere in there. He's, nice. he, he's behind Tony Parker. What's the difference between those two players? I mean, I'm asking that as like a rhetorical question. They're the second best or third best player. One's, one's on five cha four championship teams and one's on three. The other guy has a longer career, way longer career. You know, and is this close? If if Ray Allen doesn't hit that three point shot, he, he Tony Parker actually could have been the best player on a championship team. Like that was his best year. I've looked at this so. I'm long. making a face. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, but 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 I think there's to, a, to, to, to me the difference is that Tony Parker was never even the second best player on a championship team. See, that's just but but, but that, well, so that, so so to me it's like you cannot look at any of this stuff from any sort of statistical. I'm, I'm looking at where I have... I actually have Kevin McHale at 74. So he's almost not on the list. Right. But, like, Tony Parker's better than Mono Ginobili. I know people in San Antonio love Mono Ginobili. I know he made some really great plays. He was the sixth man on most of those teams. He didn't even start on those teams. Uh, that, so, which, like, which, I would, which I would point to as one of the reasons why he was better and more important than Tony Parker. Because you could have had Monte Ginobili running the point on those. You absolutely could have had Monte Ginobili as the lead ball handler on those it teams. It doesn't matter. But you know what you wouldn't have is an all-star six-man of the year. Which is that, is that? That's what you wouldn't have because of the nature of how those teams were constructed. Well, then you'll because really, they had a superstar power forward center playing and, and a superstar power forward really and a center. Then you'll really love that I have Robert Parrish higher than Kevin McHale too. But <laughs> but you know, like if you like fourth best players on the team being <laughs> higher than someone, 
But what I'm saying is that longevity is longer. Uh, this is not a Mono Ginobili Tony Parker. No, argument. no, it's not. But it is impossible. Let's just take the San Antonio Spurs. You could disagree with me. You could do a wholly different methodology. It is impossible for them to win five championships and for you to only have David Robinson and Tim Duncan in the in the top seventy five. Okay. It is literally functionally impossible. And like I'm not saying that as a as a like my list is golden. Go to medium, look at my no, list. No, no, I, it, we, we're gonna that. talk about your list. This but, is gonna be a segment on whatever. But what the fuck I'm saying is. is is like there's some functional things where the Celtics have four guys from their three championship team on this list. It's really ridiculous that you have the Spurs with five championships with two guys on the list. Okay, so what I want to say... Just from a functional point. Totally understood. And and what I want to say from my side of this, as half of this conversation, right? We're going to talk about your list. But I want to share with the audience that there's another way of looking at basketball, right? Which is that there is no objective way to compare any of these players because there's been a lot of basketball and there's been a lot of things outside of basketball that precluded players from being able to get 60 points for winning a championship. Personally, uh, when I was back visiting my, my family for uh, for Thanksgiving, just saw them and my dad uh, had a couple and uh, and just decided to get very fixated on the question of Jordan versus LeBron. And the point that I, I, I try to say is like, well, if I try to compare players from different eras... I try to say, imagine if both of these players had the same luck in development, skills development, uh, health, etc., as they had in their own era. And imagine transposing them in eras. And what I come to with the question of, like, is LeBron James better than Michael Jordan? It is unquestionable that LeBron James has had to beat better NBA competition, game in, game out, than Jordan had to to beat, right? But what is also not, like, kind of out of the question is to wonder... What if Jordan had been born twelve years later and had the benefit of all of the and all, all of yeah. the shoe money backed camps that that created an infrastructure for LeBron James to develop as a player much younger? What if what if if you want to compare Jordan and Steph Curry? What if Jordan was allowed to practice three point shooting from the time he was nine years old? Right. The game was just completely different back then. But if Michael Jordan had been shooting threes, practicing half-court threes since he was a child, he absolutely would own every shooting record in the NBA. Like, the, the, the shooting rate statistics bear that question out, right? Beyond any of those things, right? There were players who couldn't play in the NBA in the 60s because they were black. There were players who couldn't play because they were in college. Kareem, Abdul, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would have come into the NBA and ab- absolutely obliterated if he could have played professional basketball at 17 years old. But instead, he had to go play at UCLA, where he couldn't even play on the varsity team for a year because he was a freshman. And then when he was in uh, varsity, they had to ban dunking at the NCAA level because he was such a dominant player, right? There are players who get to who get the benefit of winning 60 points in a system. And I'm not shitting on your system, by the way. No, no, what, what, okay. what I'm saying is there are two ways to look at this. And what I appreciate is that you have a methodology, right? Because because what the well, everyone, not, yeah, I mean, because what everyone hates is the NBA putting out a list and not explaining why certain people were left yeah, off the line I, because they're is no point rating system given like that, right? For me, I'm somebody who, when I come to these questions, I look, number one, I don't give a shit about championships. I just don't care. I don't think, even though the best team often does win in the NBA, I would say even more than other sports, I just think there are so many factors that preclude uh, your ability to win a championship. And and I don't think that it means that you're any better or worse a basketball player. I say, take whatever player that you think is better and compare them to another player, transpose their situation. Just say that. Just say that one got all the benefits the yeah. other one got, and vice versa. And how would that have uniquely benefited either? That's what I come to when I make these points. What, what I, would why say, I couldn't make a list like this. Yeah, what I think is most people, and I would say I'm totally disagree. I think most people do what you do, and no, they say count the no, rings, bitch, no, count the rings. No, they don't. They Jordan they had more MVPs. I, I listen to enough. You Jordan won. Two you don't back listen to, to these corporate two, podcasts, back to back to and they make the exact same argument. That if Jordan was in this era, he could do... What I'm trying to do is to pull back from that a little bit and say, hey, the 80s, because of the limited amount of teams, and the two, and actually this last decade we just passed, the 2010s, are literally the best decades in basketball. Talent-wise, just the pure amount of like... There's not as many teams in the 80s. That's why it's so talented. There's so much international talent... In the decade we just passed, it's very, very tough. Close to that, 
is the 90s and the aughts, but not quite there. I could be wrong. That This is the subjective part. And then the 70s, ugh, fucking the ABA. That I mean, that is worse. And then the 60s are even worse. And pre the 60s, even worse. And all I do is say, that's one factor. So your error score is one factor. Your longevity is another factor. The actual stats, computing stats we take is another factor. The actual, like, um, new stats, as you call them, is like, you know, the VORP and, like, real plus minus. That's a totally other factor. And then... To me, the biggest factors are career achievements and playoff achievements. And those are all, and I put them all in a stew and I make everybody play on the same field. But I might say somebody in the 70s only gets seven points for the year that they played, and somebody in the 2010s gets 10 points. So maybe that's not big enough. You know, you can argue about. The range. Well, that's 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 where methodology becomes subjective. So yeah, the unsubjective and breaks down. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. Sure, by the way, I mean that's fine. That's true by the way of the academic way that we rank yeah. anything in, in yeah. like any college paper that gets written. But to me, have to, make, draw to a line me, somewhere. like, does one championship matter? I agree with you. It probably doesn't. But when LeBron, when I started making this list, and LeBron was sitting at three, and Jordan was sitting at six, I thought that mattered. I thought three championships. If you can compare people who have similar resumes, then you can you have something that that actually grounds them as having a similar experience. That then you can compare, right? I, I mean, that's I, where I think it starts to become. Recognizable, I think I think but, people all all I think people who make these lists come from it where like, why are we even making these lists? You can't compare this. You can't do this. And I just think that's the wrong way. I think you just have to jump in and say, fuck it. I'm doing it. We're sure. doing this list. Honestly, if LeBron James, well, I don't want to jump too far, but there are things that current players can do that will jump them over other players. They're active players. And they exist in their thing. So if they make a first, like in my methodology, if they make a first team All-NBA, they get 10 points. That will jump them over people. You know, with all the other factors that they have. So, 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 uh, what I wanted to say in this because I want to talk about your list because you actually made a list, right? And I will just say that, like, I, I'm not here to say all lists are stupid. I'm here to say that on some level, all lists have to be subjective, no matter how objective you think yeah. the criteria are going to be. And what I'll, what I'll also, because the point that I wanted to make before we started actually getting into your list uh, is that I just do not believe it is possible to, to truly compare people across eras. And I know that understand that you've put some thought and energy into like how how and why you assign values to those eras, and there are things you can objectively say like level of competition, level of of like athletic training and support, right? These are things that are qualitatively, demonstrably, quantitatively different for in different times, right? So I'm not saying you can't do that, but I'm saying that I don't know how I personally could quantify what the values of the championships that Bill Russell enabled playing in and around the most racist places in America, right? I, I feel like that what Bill Russell was able to do and able to achieve, the championships that he linchpinned for, for that franchise oh, yeah. in an era where where to be uh just to be a black professional in America made you a target for the worst bile and vitriol uh that you know anyone who had two bucks uh uh to buy a cheap seat could could bring to you. I don't know how to quantify that versus the value of of what a player can do in an era where every arena has, you know, tons of corporate sponsors and security and like I mean like literally like in the 50s uh there weren't black players uh until like the, the late 50s and and even then in the 50s and 60s there were players who would like get jumped by the opposing team's fans as they tried to get to the bus. Like that literally happened. Like not just once or twice. Yeah, like, I, I think I what I, I do. I no. just don't know how to quantify what the value is uh, because I think that there are great players that if you you transpose those situations would crumble, would would crack, would would break, would not be professional basketball players. I think that 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 when that part of part of having a game that has this kind of history, to me, it's 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 the same reason why you can't compare like Negro League greats versus Sandy Koufax versus Clayton Kershaw in baseball. That the game is the game, even as it changes, but the eras in which the game is played have such profound effects on the way that it is played that I just don't know how you can actually compare them. I don't try. That's my brain. Yeah, no, and I will say that in this list, I don't try. It's very, it's a very Vulcan, Borg, 
sort of like I make a I, I say all those things you're saying and I just say it's a six no it's the mental hurdle that I can't do to no, make no, a list no, like no, 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 and, and that's why sure. I'm glad you do it because we have your list to look at yeah yeah and I, I think that that's the that, that would all I would say to it is like I you say you can't make I, I, I think it's only that I have to <laughs> if, you, if you're going to make a list, you got to. Yeah, well, no, I, I think I have to functionally. There was a point where the argument happened enough between LeBron and Jordan. This is really the nexus of it. I know. Is that I was just like, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying, I don't know if I'm a Jordan stand because I grew up with it. You know, like, I don't feel comfortable with this anymore. And I just want to lay it all out there. And that is really the genesis of the list. It's just like, and I'll make it in 2015 and I'll be beholden to it. That's the real unsuggested nature of it is that I'm stuck with it. I can change it. I can tweak it here or there. You mean you're stuck with the methodology? Yeah, I'm stuck yeah. with whatever I thought in 2015 for the most part. I can change it on the margins. But for the most part, whatever I was thinking, I have to eat it. You know, like I have to eat it as time goes by. There might be a player that comes into the league and kills the methodology and then i have to say fuck jordan and fuck lebron this guy is the best you know and like that somebody's being born right now who's gonna have a 25 year nba career yeah it's it, it's gonna happen yeah, like, yeah. It, it, it's just it's just the nature of of science and technology and health and everything uh uh you know gearing these these people to to redefine what we think of as a career and yeah. that redefines how many how many opportunities you get to win a title how many points you put up in a career all that stuff yeah, and so I, I think I was just like understood that I was getting older and understood that I didn't want to be the guy who was like Russell's the best, you know, and like or Chamberlain's the best. And I was just like, I just want a way that every season I can redo this and go, oh, okay, Chris Paul moved up a little bit or whoever it was, yeah. whoever the current player is. If Seth up. wins a title, another one. Then you have a methodology that will automatically move move them. I I truly appreciate and respect this. And the other thing I'll say is that you keep on saying because I'm older, right? Uh, You're older, but you're not 90. So, like, you couldn't be the guy who's like, oh, people don't know Dr. J was really the best. Because you didn't fucking watch Dr. J night in, night out. There's YouTube clips. You can watch some whole games. But well, you yeah, yeah, there's not a lot. You don't have the eye test. So, yeah. so I don't know how to do this, but you did do it. And you have a methodology to work from. And that produced the top 75 players. <laughs> Every winter, Katie, you own since 98.